Thank you for the opportunity to come together as the church and give you glory and enjoy you and actually be happy in you and encourage each other. And I just pray for this message, which I feel you've put on my heart in this series to guide us into this next phase in the life of the church. And I pray you'd anoint it and people would come to be released from fear in different ways. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Right, everyone. So, don't know if you saw on Facebook or if you're looking at the screen now, but I felt the spirit in preparation for this series and this transition into the next phase of the church, uh, the story of Gideon, and to preach on the story and life of Gideon, drawing the parallels that we see in his life for us personally, which is what the scripture is good for doing, teaching, training, correcting, and rebuking for righteousness individually, but also corporately as a body as well, especially as we go into this next season uh, as a body and brothers and sisters. And just to say, don't usually do this, but if you want to be encouraged specifically by a great Bible teacher on not only the life of Gideon, but I believe the life of three other men as well, Joseph and Nehemiah, Terry Virgo's The Tide is Turning, read it recently, Brilliant book. It goes under a different name if you end up finding a different one. I can't remember what it's called. Men of, Men of Destiny or something? Something like that, I think. Uh, but this is an updated version with an updated title. But great book if you want to look at those three men and Gideon in particular. So I encourage you to get it if you can get your hands on it. And it's easy to read and relatively short as well. So a new season has arrived in Hope Church. With this new season comes new difficulties, but also new opportunities as well. Usually the two always go hand in hand. Difficulties will be faced with opportunities, and opportunities will be faced with difficulties. God is calling us, equipping us, and sending us out to do three things, I believe. Push back against the enemy, because the enemy is like a tiger, a lion rather, prowling around, seeing who he can devour, particularly the saints, that's you and me. Advance the kingdom and bring good news to Worcester. We're here to impact our city that we love and care for. We have challenges ahead, so practical, financial, spiritual, obviously what Richard's just been saying about the uh, building funds and giving to the money we don't have and the money we do have and trusting God for that, as well as the resources of providing all the things we really want to provide as a church, but also spiritual stuff as well. Satan is real, his demons are real, he doesn't like what we're doing, and we're in a war, we're in a battle, and we've got to face up to it with the word of God and the spirit of God. So, along with the challenges though, we have chances as well. Chances for faith-fueled, spirit-led, and God-glorifying risks. Because if we're going to make any impact in our mission, it's going to take some risks going ahead. So what I hope we'll come to realize more and more in this series is however weak we might be, God is mightier as well. That is the title of this series, Gideon. Weak person, weak people, but a mighty God instead. If those people want to come around, they can come around the front. That's it, come around the front. (laughs) Someone direct the match? Good man. 
So however weak our position may appear, however weak our capabilities, and however weak our outlook seems, God is mighty to act in spite of our weaknesses. So as I've said, I feel the Spirit's put on me this series and this man's life to speak about, learning from his weaknesses and seeing how God was mighty in and through it all. So there are certain parallels and lessons we can draw on from Gideon as we navigate this next phase of Hope's mission, which I hope will do so. So, for those of you who don't know, the story of Gideon is based in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, and the background to the book of Judges and all that was happening was cyclical. It was a bit of a cycle, okay? There was the people of Israel, and basically they would sin, disobey God, God would punish them for their sin, okay, which is a horrible thing to do against a holy God who is loving and gracious and merciful, usually by sending some kind of foreign army to invade Israel. The people would repent by turning to obey God, and then God would give them salvation by raising up a judge like Gideon to rescue them. And then usually in the book, the cycle, unfortunately, continues until one day a king is raised up uh, and leads in God's way. Uh, So, in this particular story in Judges, Midian is the oppressor. Midian was a foreign army and nation that was sent by God to attack Israel for their sins, for going their own way, for doing their own thing and disobeying him. Seven years of oppression the people of Israel went through. It involved stealing, it involved destroying, and it involved intimidation. Israel were left in fear and in hiding. So the Midianites would come, they'd steal all their produce, or they would destroy it. It would result in the people of Israel making holes in the, uh, finding caves to hide in, going into different hideouts to stay away from them as they were pillaged, as their livelihoods were destroyed because it was an agricultural background. So if you destroy their crops, you're taking the food out of their hand. Perhaps the parallel is someone coming into your house, stealing all your food and somehow preventing you from going to work to get more food. So they were destroying their lives. They were under intimidation and fear. So... Chapter 6, which is where the story of Gideon begins. Chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. I'll just read it. Don't feel like you need to turn to it. So, chapter 6, 1 to 6. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves, and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites, another foreign country, and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep or ox or donkey, as well as taking the food from their houses and stopping them from working to get more food. It was like they'd steal their vehicles so they couldn't even go anywhere. Maybe that's an equivalent for us. They were destroying their lives. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste to the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. 
and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. So fear gripped Israel because of Midian's oppression. So Midian oppressed them in all the ways I've mentioned, creating in them fear, worry, doubt about the promises of God, fear in how he would help them, if he would help them. How can he if all of this horrendous, horrible trouble and disaster is befalling us? And they cried out to God for help. Now, fear, obviously, I think all of us would agree, in some points of our lives will grip us from little to big ways. But either way, fear does grip us. So I was thinking some key fears maybe that people can experience or that maybe we are experiencing at the moment personally. So as Josephine mentioned, COVID is still around. It's not fully gone, which is why we've got masks on, etc. and we're being careful. But that has been, and perhaps for a lot of us, still can be a fear with health-related issues and even just general fear for the ones we love, the dear ones we hold in our families and friends. Job security. What's your job looking like at the moment? Is it hanging on by a thread? Can you not even find a job if you're looking for a job? Disruption in our schools, our colleges, our universities. We've got some students here today. Did you think you'd even get to where you were if it was going to be closed down and not available? Or our young kids, what's going to happen to their education with all that's going on? What will that education look like in the day and age we live in and the values and the morals we have? Um, Mental health issues and all that's been caused by that recently. Loneliness, isolation, distance, people struggling to cope in a world that's beaten them up left, right and centre with its stresses and strains. Globally, so our nation's economy and potentially the impact it might have in the generations to come. How can we change that? How are we going to deal with that? Our declining culture with all the different morals, I'd venture to say, maybe decaying morals as we go on. Things like cancel culture, don't like what you think or say, going to ignore you and not listen to you and pretty much hate you. Or identity politics, whatever it might be, things like that. Natural disasters, the racism we experience today, sexism, whatever it might be, all these different views, all these different ways of thinking that can make us afraid of how to live, how to speak, how to behave. And then the church as well, the future of the church. With all that's gone on, how can we continue being the church in this world, in this age? And perhaps, specifically, Hope Church as well. So as I've said, the parallels will draw out from the life of Gideon, but have we got a bit of fear about what the future is going to hold? What are we going to look like as a church? Is it going to work? Are we going to get what we need to get to really push ourselves forward on the mission we're on together? What about all the changes? Will we even fail in some areas? Who knows? Well, three things in my life that I've always struggled, and it's honesty time, when it comes to fear. Three things. One of them is part of the story about how Jesus saved me, uh, and the other two I'll mention in a minute, but that one was uh, a fear of my soul. Where was it going? I was brought up in a believing household, so I believed in the soul and its destiny and where it would end up. And uh, a few dreams were involved in that that I believe were from God, eventually leading me to trust in him and be born again and to be a disciple of his. But one of them was that. It was the fear of my soul. Is it going to go to the kingdom, to where the Lord is, to where joy and happiness is found in him? Or would it go somewhere else? what we call what the Bible calls hell, 
to not be with him, where his presence isn't, where his goodness and his love isn't. And that shook me, and that was a fear I had for a long time growing up as a child. Another one was death, linked to that, but fear of dying, fear of my health. You know, what's this? I feel a bit weird. Kerry will... Oh, she's not there. Kerry will vouch for this. (laughs) You do look similar, though, and you've got my baby. (laughs) Um, What's this? You know, oh, I'm feeling a bit different. Or, oh, what's this lump? Or, or, what? I'm not feeling very well. And Kerry, she called me something on holiday the other day because I said, I'm going to go to the GP about this thing to do my throats, funnily enough, which I've still got. Um, And I was going to go to the GP, and she said, Jonathan, you're an abuser of public funds. Stop it. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious when she said it. Uh, but it is true. If something's not right for more than a week, I will go to the GP and see it out. So I'm a bit of a hypochondriac when it comes to that stuff. But genuinely, I do have, I ha- had had a fear of that. And it can seep in from time to time. And then the other thing is my witness. I'll be really honest. You might not think this. I know people have said, I can't imagine you have a problem with this, Jonathan. But I do I do struggle to be a witness. I struggle to show Jesus, to speak of Jesus to other people. And it's sad, it's unfortunate, but as we'll come to find out, it's not crippling and it's not destroying and we can have help with the things that cause us fear. So think, what are you afraid of? What is crippling you with fear so that you're struggling to live in Christ's peace, trusting the Father and believing the plans that he's got for you as an individual and for us as a church as well. So let's see how we can say no to fear then. So the last part of this chapter, 6, or the last part of this section, 7 to 10. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. Interestingly, we don't know who this prophet was or what his name was. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Excuse me. But this section ends on a sad note. But you have not obeyed my voice. So, What can we do to overcome fear together? We can say no, firstly, to fear because God has saved us before and he'll save us again. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's saved you. But also he's saved you in situations in your life. If you reflect back on it deep enough and perhaps long enough, you'll see how God has rescued you. If he's done it before, He's going to do it again in the future. As God led Israel and brought them out of Egypt, the land of their oppression and fear, so he will do the same for us as well. God led Israel. He'll lead us through our fears, whatever they might be. As God delivered Israel and drove the Egyptians away, the ones who created fear in them, so he will deliver us and drive away our deepest, darkest fears. God will lead us as he led Israel. God will deliver us as he's delivered Israel. God may not remove the object of your fear, and it's important to remember that. God doesn't always grab your fear, take it away. God can also keep it there and help us persevere 
and endure through it. God didn't take the Egyptians or Egypt out of the way of Israel, but he was with them, doing miraculous things, strengthening them, leading them, delivering them, bringing them out, and helping them through it all. For our experiences are what mature us. If we're going to mature in the faith, to mature in our relationship with Jesus, it's embracing the fear with him. That's the difference. Not by yourself, but with him and with those of us who represent him, the church. So he'll, he'll give us the experiences to mature us. He can change our perspective and remove our unhealthy responses to them. God can change our perspective around. A lot of the time, that's what it comes down to. A mindset change. The truth will renew our minds. We've got to get into the word and the truth of God and the spirit of God who speaks to us, and it will change our perspective, change our mindset and our view of things that we're struggling with in fear, and God will help us through that. So we can say no to fear because God has saved us before. He'll save us again. Secondly, we can say no to fear because Jesus said no to fear. So what do I mean? The same spirit that filled Christ, if you remember, at his baptism, the spirit descended on him. The father said, this is my son, listen to him. The same spirit that filled him and helped him face the fear of his execution on the cross Fear over embracing the sin of the world, it's my sin and your sin, and the fear at the prospect of enduring the righteous wrath of God, that same spirit lives in us. If you're a born-again kingdom believer, the spirit of God lives in you, and that's the same spirit that was in Jesus. So you've got the spirit of Jesus in you. When you face your trials and your fears, remember that you've got the same spirit that Jesus was relying on in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was on his knees crying, the pressure mounting upon him so much so that blood was coming down. The same spirit that was helping him can help you. Sometimes I think we forget that, and that's where the power lies in, remembering that. God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power to overcome fear, Love to help those who are afraid. It's not all about us and our fears. It's recognizing the fear that other people are struggling with, struggling with and in love helping them, reminding them, being someone courageous for them. And self-control to resist fear's debilitating attacks. Jesus recognized he was afraid. You remember that story in the garden, the night before his crucifixion, he recognized his fear. He said, Lord, take this cup away from me, e.g., take the pain and the suffering and the thing you want me to do that scriptures prophesied I have to go through. Please take it away because I really don't want to do it. It's torture. I'm, my heart is sorrowful to the point of death. But the Father said, no, I've got plans for you. We're going to go through it together. We're going to make it together, and there'll be a glorious reward afterwards, which we are now living in as New Testament Christians. So, Let's recognize our fear. It's not helpful to ignore it or deny it. Don't ignore your fear and don't deny your fear because all you're doing is getting the rug, sweeping it under, the lump's going to appear and you're going to trip over the lump. So it's best to just get it out in the open, get it dealt with, with the power of the Spirit to help. So, yes. What can we do then? Like Gideon, as we'll see later, he's not mentioned in this first part, but Gideon's going to come up on the scene in the next sermon. 
like Gideon and Israel, really, as we've looked at this morning, we are weak and prone to fear. We're weak and prone to fear if we're being honest with ourselves. But God is mighty to save us through over our fears. So what can we do? Remember how God has rescued you from your fears in your past. Thank him and then trust him that he'll do it again. He's rescued you before. Thank him that he's done so and trust him that he's going to do it again. Remember, use our minds to remember what he's done for us. Secondly, ask the Lord to pour out afresh his spirit on you and to empower you to say no to fear and to overcome it with courage. So ask the Lord for his help. Thirdly, look to Christ. Most importantly, thirdly and most importantly, look to Christ. He's called the Prince of Peace in Scripture. And there's a reason for that, because he's the peace giver. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He will give you peace. Let's obey his command not to fear. Throughout all of Scripture, God's appearances, God's speech has been littered with, don't fear. Don't be afraid. We've no reason to be if we've got the Prince of Peace. Not to say we won't, don't misunderstand me, but we will tackle that fear better with his help and his power at work in us. Have faith that our fears, along with our sin, has been nailed to the cross and died with Jesus. Ultimately, our fears will die, if not now over a few things that we're struggling with, Definitely in the new heavens and the new earth and the kingdom when it finally comes and all things are made new. But we get to have a breakout of that in the here and now. It can be a reality of some degree in the here and now. And that's what we expect with hope. So let's nail our fears to the cross. Let's remember, get the image of the cross in your mind. And let's nail those fears in your prayer times, in your times of worship. Remember Jesus dying on the cross and your sin died with him, but your fears died with him too. Hmm. Ah, there it is. Right, and then as for fears over hope's new season, let's be honest, if there is any at all, if there's any fear of the unknown, we're not sure what's going to happen, whatever it might be, because it's normal to be like that when you're stepping into a new season and a new phase. Let's encourage one another going forward. Something the Israelites didn't do. They didn't gather around themselves and encourage each other. Literally, encourage, E-N, to mean in Greek, in courage. In courage, fill each other with courage in the way we talk about this new phase, in the way we talk about the building, like the great way Rich explains the building offering, let's do so with courage. Let's have a courageous mindset. We're going to go for what, God, for what we believe God has given us, this resource, this building, for the gospel, for the mission he's put us on. And let's do that, not from fear, but from courage. Let's give thanks for how he's helped us before when things have changed. We've gone through a fair few buildings I'm aware of before my time. Uh, not buildings we've owned, but places we've been in. Different changes, things alternating, things we don't know were going to happen. Where's the money for that, as I've mentioned? Where's the resources for that? How is it going to work practically? Let's give thanks that he's helped us before and he'll help us again 
in the future and obey his voice as he speaks and guides us in new ways. We want to be big on this as a church, particularly in this gathering, if I can say that. We want to obey the voice of God, not doing things just because we've done them before, whereas that is good, because if it works, don't fix it. But at the same time, having spiritual ears to hear, God, what are you saying? What do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? We want to list, drop everything, listen to God, and then obey his voice. We want to do what we see the Father doing as he directs us. And we do that in community. We do that by praying together. We do that by worshiping together. So let's obey the voice of God as he speaks to us. So don't fear. First in our new series, don't fear for the things you're dealing with. And let's not fear for what Hope Church's future continues to look like. So as Jane eventually and the rest of the worship team come up, I just want to invite us now, if we could just stand together, because we're going to transition into worship. Kids of Shining Stars, whoever they might be if you're in here, we need you to go up and collect your kids, if that's all right. And then the uh, parents, sorry. Um, uh, what did I say? <laughs> sorry. Uh, yes, you need to go and collect your kids, and then the kids' leaders will bring down the Ignite kids, and they'll join us for worship. But yeah, if you could stand, if that's all right. Lovely. What we're going to do is, I wanted to start with the preach because I felt that the Spirit wanted us to tackle the message and then respond to it. It won't always be like this. This is a one-off. But it's such a big topic that many of us struggle with when it comes to fear. So now we've got the rest of our time together to get serious with God, to do business with Him, to confess our fears, and to pray for help, remember what He's done, so let's do that. Let's open our hearts to him. Sometimes it's quite helpful to open up your hands if you feel comfortable to do that. But do whatever is comfortable for you to engage with God, to receive his help, and to then trust him for whatever you're fearing. With. So Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you into this space. Thank you that you're with us, that you dwell in us. But we do pray for your manifest presence in this next session of our worship. We pray that we'd know you, we'd feel you, we'd be aware of your work in us. Help us to process stuff. Help us to be honest with our fears and help us to ask for your help. Remember what you've done and look to Christ above all. Look to Jesus as the one who helps us. So let's just minister to each other now. Let's just, if you feel led to pray for someone, respecting the COVID guidelines we have mentioned with masks, checking that someone wants you to touch them or be close to you, close to them please do check that but if you feel you want to pray for someone go do that if you feel you want to give a passage of scripture if you feel you want to pray if you feel you want to prophesy or share a vision do it from where you are or if you're not comfortable to do that let um, let josephine know and then she can guide you into doing that but let's really be family together and let's build each other up and contribute to what we're doing but ultimately let go of fears and trust in jesus thanks jane over to you